Let's pray together. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us the difference between a life in God and a life without God. Lord, we desire to be a man and woman, a child of God that is faithful to you, that honors your name every single day. Lord, every day there are so many distractions, there are so many hardships, heartaches, difficulties, and challenges in this life. But Lord, you promise, Lord, that God, that you will not leave us alone, but you will walk with us, oh God. So I pray, God, you will strengthen us today. I pray, God, all of our hearts, all of our focus, all of our worries, Lord, we will lay them at your feet, O oh God, and I, that our hope will be found in Christ. So, God, at this moment, cast aside every distraction. Lord, let us look to you, God, at this moment right now. Nothing else matters, God. None of our dreams, none of our titles, none of our degrees, none of our education, none of that matters, God, if we don't have a relationship with you. So, God, we surrender our crowns. We surrender our all to you, God, and we lay them at your feet. And I pray, God, as you transition now, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts for those who are listening, Lord, I pray they may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for, Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. So, God, we place our trust in you. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to learn to live a life that honors you. We thank you. We praise you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Let's take our seats. Uh, God bless you all. Uh, we have a lot to unfold here today. We're continuing on with our authentic Christianity series. Uh, today will be Life Without God. And the title of today's message is Death. Can we turn to our neighbor and say death? Life without God, death. Let's begin with our main passage found here today. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1 through 22. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1 through 22. Very excited to do this message. There's a lot to unfold. There's a lot of information here. I love dissecting the scripture for us to understand clearly what the scripture is trying to teach us. Again, life without God, death. Starting with verse 1, let's begin. It says, And Samuel's word came to all Israel. The title in the scripture in the Bible that you have, it says, The Philistines capture the ark. Again, the Philistines are the enemies of Israelites. The ark is the symbol of God's presence. Again, what is the ark? It's a symbol of God's presence. So it is very important. It is a very important relic. The enemy comes and captures the ark, meaning the Israelites, they get defeated. Let's go on. It says, now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. 
the Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. Why are they surprised that they lost? Remember Hophni and Phinehas? Remember Eli? They were corrupted before God. Of course God is not going to fight for you. Of course they're going to lose this battle. What's worse here is that they decide to bring the ark of God. They decide to use the ark of God as a good luck charm. They say, hey, how about we bring the ark of God and bring it into our battle. Maybe we will win. But that is a very foolish idea because the ark of God, again, it symbolizes the presence of God, the holiness of God. It is meant to be kept inside the tabernacle in the most holy place with the two cherubim, the angels. It is not meant to be moved. But they decide, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and bring it. Maybe it'll help us. It's like us for those who do sports or you may have your lucky socks or boxers that you may wear or shirt that you wear or watch you may wear. Let's just use it for our benefit. So that's what they're doing here. Let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So verse 4. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, again, they were corrupted, remember, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Verse 5, when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. Our God has come into the camp. They said, Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who would deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you'll be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. And we see here the contrast and the difference between the Philistines and the Israelites. It's in fact, it seems like as you're reading this, you want to cheer for the Philistines, right? It's like they're actually having a narrative among themselves. They're conversing among themselves. They're saying, be strong, be men. The Israelites, they're the enemies. We're the oppressed. They're the oppressor. And we see the difference here. Men versus young men. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 17, the sin of the young men is talking about Hophni and Phinehas. They're known as children. That they were, It was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with content. But here we see the writer is saying, even the Philistines are more men than the Israelites. And it's kind of funny here, the scene, you know, in verse 5 and 6, when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? Now the Hebrews, now the Israelites, 
they feel bold because the ark of God is there. But they had forgotten that the real presence of God had already left them. Let's continue on verse 10. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites again were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Let's continue on. The title says, Death of Eli. Verse 12, that same day, a Benjamite ran from the battle line and went to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching because his heart feared for the ark of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. You'll see here, Eli, all he cares about is this relic. He cares about the ark of God. He doesn't care really, he doesn't really care about the people. He doesn't care about his fellow brothers, the soldiers that had died. He doesn't care about his, his sons that died. He doesn't care about God. He only cares about this actual physical object, the ark of God. It says here, he was what? When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching because his heart, what? Feared for the ark of God, not God, but the ark of God, the symbol of God's presence, not the actual presence of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. Verse 14, Eli heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old and whose eyes had failed so that he could not see. He told Eli, I have just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. Eli asked, what happened, my son? The man who brought up the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, again, he doesn't care about his sons or the men that died, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died, for he was an old man, again, 98 years old, and he was heavy. Again, that description is very important. He was heavy because it shows that he was spiritually obese. He was just feeding himself. He was not a person who gave, but he just fed himself, and he was heavy, for he was an old man. He had led Israel 40 years, very long time. Verse 19, his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. Again, the description here is very important because, again, Pregnancy, birth is a joyous event, but everything is going downhill because the presence of God is no longer there. Meaning you could have everything in life, but if the presence of God is not there, you are joyless. Verse 20, as she was dying, the woman attending her said, don't despair. You have given birth to a son. She's like, be happy. Yes, everything is gone, but be happy. But she did not respond or pay any attention. For good reason. 
And verse 21, she named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Point number one, again, life without God, death, point number one is take God's warnings seriously. For those who are here and those who are listening, take God's warnings seriously for those who are in God and living a life without God. We learn here about Eli and his sons we learned throughout in these last couple weeks in 1 Samuel 2 how corrupt and evil they were. Eli, the leader who led Israel for 40 years as high priest, he was also very corrupted. And we understand that the difference between Eli and God is that Eli warns his sons to stop sinning, but he never acts, he never disciplines. However, the difference between God our living Father, is that when God warns and you don't repent, God acts. God disciplines. God literally spells out the consequences of how it's going to go down. If your sons, Hophni and Phineas, if they do not repent, Eli, if you don't turn from your evil ways, then there will be death. I am warning you right now, your sons, Hophni and Phineas, they will die on the same day. Remember, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27 to 36. Let's refresh our memory. What does it say? Prophecy against the house of Eli. It says in verse 27, Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors, family, all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you score my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fanning yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Again, they were fanning themselves because by the age he was 98, after he had done serving the Lord for 40 years as high priest, we see the description that he was very heavy. He fell off his chair, broke his neck, and it says the description was that he was very heavy. Why? Because they were fanning themselves from the offering that was given by the Israelites. They were not serving God. They were serving themselves. Verse 30, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that members of your family will minister before me forever. But now, but now, the Lord declares, Far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. And we need to take that warning seriously. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. That applies to us, the readers. The time is coming. When I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, 
No one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my, in my heart and mine. Again, it's talking about Samuel. Samuel will be the next one who will come and take over, the faithful priest. I will firmly establish my, his priestly house. And they will minister before my anointed one always. Verse 36, Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat. Again, we're just refreshing our memory, the prophecy that was given to Eli. That was his chance, his opportunity to repent, but Eli never repents. There was another warning, if you remember, the message, years to hear. We talked about this passage here. When Samuel, he was having a vision. He was hearing God's voice. He went to Eli, did you call me? No, Eli, I said, no, I didn't call you. But in that dream, in that vision, God speaks to Samuel, gives a warning, a prophecy to Samuel about Eli and his family. And it says in 1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. And later, if you remember that passage, Eli is like, tell me, what happened? You know, be ever far from me. If you don't tell me, I will punish you. And he says, tell me what happened in the dream. And Samuel tells him the truth. And what does Eli say? May it be so. It may be so. He accepts it. That was his chance to repent. But he accepts it for whatever reason. Maybe he took God for granted. Maybe he took God as a joke. Maybe he took the warning that God was giving. He took it lightly. But we must not take God's warnings lightly. We must take God's warnings seriously. God is compassionate slow to anger, abounding in love. He is faithful to us. But the truth and the reality is God punishes rebellion. God punishes disobedience. Psalm 86 verse 15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And we just leave it right there. For God so loved the world. And yes, it's good. We talk about God's love. But you're forgetting that God punishes the sins of those who rebel against him. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes what? The children for the sin of the parents to the third 
and fourth generation. Yes, God loves you. But at the same time, God, he abhors sin. He hates sin. Let us take the warning of God seriously. Again, number one, take God's warnings seriously. Number two, God is not your personal genie. What we can learn here in 1 Samuel 4 and what we've been learning throughout in these last few weeks, that God is not our personal genie. The presence of God is not to be toyed with. Going back to the story what we just read, they're losing. They're saying, hey, let's bring the ark of God here and you know, let's just go ahead and read. Let's go to verse 3 to 11. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh. They brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. The cherubim are the angels, the higher angels that is on the left and the right of the ark of God. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. I mean, I just think that's so funny. They think they're so tough and so cool. That, yeah, we got the ark of God. Now we're going to win. But how wrong they are. Verse 5, when the ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Their confidence, they were so insecure. They were not confident in God. They were so insecure that they trusted this relic, this object. Again, it's not the real presence of God. It's a symbol of God's presence. The real presence of God is God. We cannot put God in an object. They came. They raised such great shout that the ground shook. Their confidence it went high to the sky. Verse 6, hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they had heard about God, Yahweh, how powerful God was, how powerful the Israelites were, because God was with them. But God was no longer with them. Verse 7, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp. They said, oh, no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men. Or be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons... Hophni and Phinehas died according to the prophecy that was given to Eli in chapter 2. It is fulfilled. The ark of God equals the presence of God. Again, it symbolizes the presence of God. Again, it's kept in the most holy place. If you know the tabernacle, tabernacle was a, a temple that was created that was... They can move it through the desert. Remember after Moses, after they were wandering in the desert, that was the tabernacle. It's talking about the ark of God. It was kept inside the holiest place. And the only time a person can see and encounter the ark of God was the high priest. In this, 
In this story, we see the high priest is who? Eli. So Eli will be the only one to enter this place once every year. This is not something to be toyed with. This is not something for us to use as a personal genie. But they were using it for their own personal benefit. And inside the Ark of God has the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments given to Moses. So it was a symbol of God's holiness and power. And the Ark of God was there to remind the people of their actual God, their protector God, capital G God. The Ark of God was not an item to be used. But these people, these individuals, they focused on the created thing rather than the creator. They focused on the creation rather than the creator. They focused on the gift, not the gifter, not the one who gives. Many times, even in our own lives as Christians, this happens to me a lot, we become blessed and we become fixated on the blessings, on the things that we forget who the real blesser is. It's easy to get lost in worshiping things, in this building, in the things that we have, physical things, our physical Bible, our lucky physical Bible, the scriptures that we use to quote on Instagram as our luck charm, even the Bible that we hold, that we have right now in our hands. They're just tangible things. The reality is behind that tangible book is the presence of God. It is sharp and effective and is the living word of God. A relic or an artifact or antique has to be carefully stored away. But God's word is meant to be used because it is alive and active. It is meant to be obeyed. So I encourage you, write in your Bibles. <laughs> don't be shy. You know, don't, it's like I want to keep it perfect. For those who get persecuted, Christians who get persecuted, they cannot have the Bible with them. But the Word of God is stored in their heart. So write in your Bibles. Hophni and Phineas, they did whatever they wanted. They were going to the room with the holy place, with the Ark of God, unlawfully, casually, with stupidity. The audacity of them going into this and removing the ark of God. That's why the Bible tells us the description that the Bible gives of Hophni and Phineas is that they were scoundrels, that they were punks, they were useless, they were not priests. They thought that the ark of God could be used as their lucky charm, they thought God could be used as a magical genie for their own benefit. And we do this a lot. We have our cross necklaces. We have things that we idolize. And we put power in these objects when these objects have nothing. The definition of idol is image, representation of a god used as an object of worship. Some people, they cannot pray unless they pray in their prayer room or in their favorite corner, in their spot, in the house. But you're forgetting that God is not subject to any location. That God can hear us and we can worship God anywhere. 
whether we have our lucky necklace, lucky bracelet, whether we have the luck, the luck charm things that we have that we hold on to, it doesn't matter. God is not subject to any object. The definition, again, one that is adored blindly and excessively, it is a false God, false security, false dependency. We think it will give us security, joy. Idol is something visible and tangible and invisible, but without any weight or substance. Highly revered, admired, highly loved, highly desired. There can be many idols. That's what we see. Even people can be idols. We see leaders, North Korea, they're seen as idols, as gods, lowercase g, gods, celebrities, objects, music, a person, reputation, names, dreams. They can all be idols. Thinking that if they brought the ark of God, then they would somehow, when they bring the ark of God into the battle, that they would automatically win. How wrong they were. How wrong they were. They were dead wrong. That's why everyone died. They were humiliated. Yes, God was faithful in the past, but God is no longer with you anymore, right now in this very moment. He will not fight with you in this battle because we have treated him like our personal genie. Verse 4 and 5. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Pretty much what you can say from reading this verse is a bunch of fools. Insecure fools. Thinking that they can trust an object. They have forgotten their true God. Point number three, your titles and platforms are rubbish. Uh, I want to encourage you, uh, for those who have been a Christian for a long time or for those who hold a title, uh, stop hiding behind platforms and titles, you hypocrite. When we go before God, we approach him naked and with nothing. Just because I have a title doesn't win me any extra brownie points before God. In fact, I'll be judged even more harshly before his presence. In the movie Spider-Man Homecoming, the first Spider-Man movie, Andy's first movie, how was it when you were shooting that movie? It was hard? Yeah? Andy was a stuntman of Tom Holland. He had to dye his hair brown. Tony has no idea what I'm talking about. She's like, what? Stop, man. What's that? In the movie Homecoming, in the movie it quotes, that's where Iron Man comes in. Iron Man gives him the suit. And Tom Holland, he says, or Peter Parker, he says, I'm nothing without the suit. And then what does he say? What does Iron Man say? What does Tony Stark say to him? Right, you would know because you were there. Right, if you're nothing without if you're nothing without if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Again, it's not about the suit. It's not about the title. It's not about what we have. It's about who we are before His presence. Who am I? Hophni and Phineas. 
They continually hid behind their platforms. They hid behind their titles, their reputations, their identity as Eli, the famous high priest sons. It's like the sons of famous celebrities, right? They always get themselves in trouble because they have so much money. They're rich because of who their father is. They thought they could get away with anything and how wrong they were. And we see this often, all the time, children of famous people thinking that they're untouchable until they go too far and they end up in jail. They hide behind their platforms, behind who their parents are. But the reality and the truth is, before God, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're the son of the president of the United States, it doesn't matter. You cannot escape God's judgment. None of us can escape the judgment of God. Because when we commit the crime, we pay with our time. We will pay for the crimes that we commit before God. Verse 4 to 5, it says, So the people sent men to Shiloh again. And they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, O Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. And we see that long, not too long after this, it says Hophni and Phinehas, they die. And the question that I want to ask you is, your titles and platforms are rubbish. What are some things that, are, that we are hiding behind today? Is it your title? Is it your responsibilities? Is it your degrees, your talents, your self-worth? Where does your self-worth come from, Louis? Where does it come from? I'll tell you, for me, when I was young, my self-worth came from how strong I can be. But in fact, that was insecurity. That was, my, not, that was not my true security. Where does your self-worth come from? Where? Is it your intelligence? Is it your smarts, your strengths, your work habits? Where? What are we hiding behind? It could even be your shame. It could even be your guilt. But before the mighty God, we stand truly naked and bare. And when we are confronted with God, there's not, absolutely nothing we can hide behind. No titles, no platforms. We all stand naked before God, like Adam and Eve. You can even try to hide behind the bush. It doesn't matter. God sees all. God doesn't ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Because God doesn't know. God knows, but he's asking for our benefit to see if we're going to change. To see if we're going to come and come honest before him. When all the titles and the degrees and the clothings are all stripped away, what do we have? We have absolutely nothing. And that's what's going to happen at the end of days when we face judgment before the living God. You have to remember and you have to remind yourself that before I am Reverend Andrew Chan or Pastor Andrew Chan, that I am a child of God. My titles don't give me any special privilege. It doesn't give me anything. That I'm naked before God and we're the same. At the end of the day, we're all on the same boat. I'm a child of God before anything else. I was having lunch with my father and we're just talking about things, just the things that happen. 
relatively young, physically young, but have a lot of experience doing pastor, being a pastor at this moment, right? Have more experience on mission field than even pastors who are in their 50s. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether I have all their experience or not. Before God, I cannot hide behind my experiences, my platform, and my title. You always got to go back. And you got to be humble and you need to go back to the basics. Even as I'm looking here, as I'm looking at this building, what we have right now, the space that took over almost 10 years to be here in this place. I go back and I remember our first church location in Pow Park. It was an office space in between laundromat and a bar. Right? I think it was like 1,000-something square feet. Starting the church in a place like that. When we had no members, you go back and you remember that naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I would depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Your titles and platforms are rubbish. Are rubbish. Do not hide behind them. Stop hiding behind your platforms and titles. Number four, yesterday's blessings are yesterday's blessings. What do I mean by that? Do not live on the memories of yesterday's blessings. The blessings of mission trip from two, three years ago. The question is, are you being blessed today? Are you blessed right now? Verse 5 through 9. Do you guys enjoy this story? I really enjoy. I love dissecting the scripture and being able to teach it for us to understand it in a simple manner. Again, let's just keep going. Let's read the scripture one more time. Let's go back to verse 5 to 9. And it says this. It says, when the ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all the shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp. They said, oh, no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men. Or be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. Again, it's like the Philistines are the heroes here. It's like we want to kind of cheer for the Philistines because of how evil Hophni and Phineas were. These people were warriors. And we do this often. We do this a lot in our Christian walk. It's about blessings today. It's about the fresh blessings that God has for us today. We say things all the time, all the good old days. Hey, remember this and that? Remember blockbusters, the good old days? 
These are all the these are all good things and they're not bad things. Having good memories and fond memories are good things, but we must learn to trust God in our present right now. The question is, are we being blessed today right now? Are we continually walking with the Lord? Are we walking with him right now in the present and are we going to walk with him in the future? Why Captain America go back to Peggy? Why? Why go back to the past? Move forward. Fall forward. When we remain in our past, in the memories of our past, we will become the person of our past. I'll say that again. When we remain in our past and in the memories of our past, you will become a person of the past. By the time you know it or realize that time has passed by and you'll be lost in your past and you will never have hope for the present and for the future. It will be too late. And the lesson that we can learn here in verse 5 to 9 For the Israelites, it was too late. They were stuck in the past. They were forgetting that God had abandoned them right now in the present. We have to be in the present to move forward to the future. They were using God as a good luck charm. Lucky boxers. It's like when you have an exam, hey, good luck. You don't need luck. You just have to study. And God bless you. That's it. That's why I don't say good luck. Just because we lose our lucky Bible does not mean that God is not with us. God is always here. May we not confuse the real presence of God to the symbol of God's presence as they were doing here today. Yesterday's blessings are yesterday's blessings. And what happens? Verse 10 through 11, so the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. When we hold on to yesterday's blessings, we die. We die. Our God constantly, he pops our bubbles. We cannot hold on to our old former victories in life. When you do that, God becomes a God of the past. We lack trust because we're just holding on to memories of God's blessings. But God is a God who is alive here and active today. He is here to bless you. He is here to bless us right now in the present and in the future. The past is the past. We cannot do anything to change the past. But you can change your present and your future right now if you choose to honor him. Our God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy 7, 9 through 10. This is divided into two parts, 9 and 10. There's a contrast here. It says in verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. It says God is faithful. He keeps his love to what? To a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But... Verse 10, 
But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. May we not hold on to yesterday's blessings. May we not be a Christian man and woman of the past. Hey, remember the good old days when I used to serve God, when I used to go to church, when I used to have a faithful relationship with God? Yesterday's blessings are yesterday's blessings. Are you being blessed today? Today, today, right now, leading into the future. We cannot have true victory, true spiritual victory if we're living off the past victories. The question is, am I being faithful today? Am I living in a continual renewal relationship in Christ today? I want you to answer that in your heart. And I'm finishing with the last point here. Point number five is this. Can we all read together? Ready? One, two, three. God always keeps his word. Amen. Really? Really, amen? Because it's scary. I'm talking about the good and the bad. God always keeps his word. God always keeps his promises. The good and the bad. The blessings and the warnings. The favor and the punishment. God does what he says he will do. Is it really amen? When we hear this, we should, our hearts should just sink down and have true fear before God because God will do what he says he will do. God always keeps his word, the blessings and the warnings, the favors and the punishment. Remember the promise of God, the prophecy found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, earlier on, verse 30 to 35? It says this, it says, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that the members of your family will minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me, I will despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and set your strength. And all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, will be assigned to you They will both die on the same day. I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I'll firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. That was a warning given. Does God keep his promise? Yes, he does. And in chapter 4, they die on the same day. God literally destroyed all of Eli's descendants, every one of them, with his daughter-in-law, with Ichabod, the son, the birth, naming him, the glory of the Lord has departed Israel. God always fulfills his, his word, the good and the bad. 
when we are content before God, it brings death. Warning is given, but if no repentance, if there are no repentance, if there is no change in your life whatsoever, take a look at what happens. It leads to death. And I want all of us to take these verses seriously, and we're closing with this. Let's all look up on the screen. It's up there. And I want to take this as we read this. I know it was a long message. There was a lot to unfold here. But I want you to take this very seriously. For Hophni and Phineas, they're not really that different from us. Every day we rebel against God. We continue to be disobedient towards Him. And take a look at what happens. Again, the warning given, prophecy given in chapter 2 and chapter 3 with the dream of Samuel when God is talking to Samuel. And then in chapter 4, one chapter later, it literally happens word for word to exactly what God said was going to happen. Let's look at verse 10 and 11. It says this, So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. There are many battles that we fight in this life as a Christian. Every single day, actually. There are times where you will win the battles and you will lose the battles. But if we continue to walk in rebellion before God, there will come a battle, and that will be our last battle. And spiritually, physically, we'll be dead, we'll be thrown away, we'll be cut off from the living God. The only way that we can avoid this spiritual death and this physical death is by us realizing and taking God's warning seriously, realizing that we've been rebellious before God and repenting with a genuine heart. Will you repent in your heart today? Are you too blind? Are you too proud like Hophni and Phinehas? Are you too proud like the elders and the Israelites? Only if we bring the ark of God, then we will survive, we will live, it's fine. It's all good. All good in the hood. Everyone, God has always been good to me. He will rescue me today as he did in the, in the past. But how wrong they were. If you're not faithful to God right now, if you're not faithful to God right now, if you're not walking daily, faithfully with the Lord, His presence will not walk with us. And you will lose this battle. This battle that they fought here against the Philistines, as they had lost, we will also lose. And our lives will also end. And it's a serious warning to each and every single one of us. It will be death to ourselves. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, die. Verse 18 to 22, it goes on. When he mentioned the ark of God again, this is the servant that ran, told the news to Eli. Eli fell backward of his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken 
and he died. A lot of dying here, for he was an old man, and he was heavy. Again, he was spiritually obese, feeding himself, not serving the people. He had led Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant near the time of delivery. Again, a joyous moment, but not a joyous moment. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth but was overcome by her labor pains. It was not a joyous event. As she was dying, the woman attending her said, Don't despair, you have given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the death of her her father-in-law and her husband. She said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. With our eyes closed. A life without God is death. Is death. Even in such a joyous event as having a child, it becomes a day of terror. When God is no longer in our churches, when God is no longer in our families, when God is no longer in our relationships in the picture, our hearts become empty. You can have all the meaningless objects, the money in the bank, in your account. You can have everything in this life that this world can offer. But you will be empty. You will be joyless. No joy of the Lord. The truth is, if we do not surrender to to God and live a life in God, there will be death. And literally, every individual in Eli's family, they die. But you'll see the blessings in God. Next week, we're going to learn more about Samuel and and the difference between David and Saul that a person who lives for God versus someone who doesn't live for God. That a life in God is blessing and life and hope and future. But life without God is death and destruction. You may be happy temporarily for now, but I guarantee you, you'll be joyless. You will not be fulfilled. Do not allow the sins in your lives to rule over your lives. Do not allow your life to be a life of rebellion before the Lord. Surrender to Him right now before it's too late. Right now is your chance. As you have breath today, surrender your life to Him. Give your life to Him. It will be the best decision that you'll make for all of eternity. There is no other greater decision. There is no decision greater than this decision than for you to submit your life to Jesus Christ. There is no life worth living if you're not living a life worthy of the gospel. Yes, in the eyes of the world, it may look like a wasted life, but it is not a wasted life. 
It is the best decision, the best life that you will ever live. For you are a mere traveler in this world, as it says. Our citizenship is not here. Your roots are not here. Your roots are in Christ. Are you deeply rooted in Christ? Or are you deeply rooted in this world? If you're deeply rooted in this world, then the world is what you will get. And it is temporary. It is fleeting. It will lead to death and hell and destruction. But if your roots are rooted in Christ, in the spiritual blessings of God, then you will truly be blessed. You will live a life that is worthy of the gospel. And what a blessed life that is. There's no life that is better, that is comparable to the life that is found in Christ. Yes, we are sinful. Yes, we fall short in every single way. We all fall short of the glory of God. For for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God has sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us so that our sins can be forgiven so that we can have a life, a new life that is found in Christ, a renewed life that is found in God, so that we can overcome every battles that we face every single day. I pray this week that you will not enter the battles this week with idols, with relics, with the antiques, with objects, trusting in things, intangible, physical things, I pray that you surrender your life as Samuel did. Submit to the one, the real one, the one who is living, the Lord and our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sends his Holy Spirit to give us wisdom to strengthen us. For those who are graduating, and maybe you're looking for a job, and the next step, the decision that you need to make, do not hold on to your degrees. Do not hold on to your titles and platforms. Surrender to Him. Surrender to Him, for in Him is life. Without Him is death. When God calls you, it's a privilege and an honor. The truth is, God doesn't need us. God doesn't need you. Don't be too proud. Don't be prideful. God can use anyone. If you're not willing, He will use someone else who is willing, despite their background. Doesn't matter how rich or poor. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter about the age. God can use an elderly man, an old man in his old age for His glory if they're willing. But the question is are you willing? You need to be willing. If you're not willing, then we're just wasting our lives. Do not take God's blessings for granted as Hophni and Phineas did. Do not take God's blessings as Eli did. Do not idolize objects as Eli did and the daughter-in-law did. Do not focus on the gifts, but focus on the gifter. Never the blessings, but the blesser the one and only, the one who gives and who takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. It is never too late to turn back to God. It is never too late to turn back to God. It is never too late to turn back to God. Each passing second, 
each passing breath, each passing minute is a chance and an opportunity to turn it all around. Now is the moment. Right now, the present. Doesn't matter about the past. Doesn't matter about the future. Tomorrow we can die. Oh God, if that is what you will, then may it be so, God. But may I live my life for you right now in the present. May I right now, when I can, when I'm able, when I have the breath, surrender my life to you. Can we just in our own seats, in our own places, and in the whispers of your heart right now, I pray that you would take this morning, this message seriously. Can we just lift up our hands? If you need to place your right hand to the left side of your chest, your heart representing your life. Can we surrender to the living God? Can we surrender to our Father? Can we go and repent before Him? Asking God, forgive me of my sins and my rebellion. Can we turn to Him in spirit and in truth and worship Him? Praise Him, don't hide behind your positions. Don't worry about coming up here. Don't worry about anything else. Nothing else is more important than the decision for you to surrender your life to Christ. So right now, in this very moment, can we just surrender? Can we just turn our lives back to Him? In the whispers of our voices, can we worship Him? And can we pray to Him right now? Let us pray together.
ashes Give him your crowns Give him your ashes God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And with that truth, can we just come and worship our Lord together? All who gather in this place, let's make it our worship and our praise before God. We all stand to our feet and sing together. Yeah. 
Father, thank you that God, that while we're sinners, you died for us. That God, right now, you look, you are seeking for those who are true worshipers, who seek you in spirit and truth. God, we surrender ourselves to you. Here we are on our knees, worshiping you and crying out to you. Because without you, we have no breath. Without you, we have no hope. Without you, we have no life. God, you are our everything. Lord, thank you, starting from my own testimony and the testimony of many others who are here in this room. God, thank you for allowing me to turn back to you at the age of 16, at the age of 17. God, and allowing me to walk faithfully, God, in your presence and to be where I am today. Without your presence, God, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where any one of us would be. If your presence is not with us, God, everything we do is in vain. Everything we do is joyless and hopeless, and we are lost for all of eternity. But thank you, God, for giving us hope and a future. God, a life that is worth living, a life living for you, a life living for the gospel, for the truth, for your kingdom, and for your glory. Thank you, God, for the light that we have to see the truth and to be able to live in the truth. Lord, help us to win the battles this week that we will face, the trials and the tribulations. For God, you are with us. And your presence is not subject to any idol worship or any object. But Lord, you are beyond the walls, beyond our understanding. You are greater than all of our problems and our impossible situations. You are a God that makes way. You are a God that splits the Red Seas. You are a God who frees us from our oppressor. God, you are the one who frees us and strengthens us. So God, strengthen 
each and every single one who are here in this place and for those who are listening let us enter this new week with the spirit of victory with an attitude a victorious mindset that is found in Christ pray all these things in your precious son just cause them we pray and God's people pray Amen. 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 Amen.